What's been happening? Mm. What's up? Ah, uh, absolutely nothing. I just watched the nothing. world continue to do what the world do. Which is Collapse. falling off a really long waterfall. Yeah. Forever. Wow, yeah. Yeah, basically. It's really fun. Good time to to witness things. It's interesting. I was actually listening to the new Straight From The Path album, which is like right. Rage Against The Machine except heavier and, and brought into 2022. Okay. And the last song in the album is very much just this idea of, all right, well, there's nothing we can do. We're all screwed. Yep. So at least we tried. <laughs> yeah. We can't, we can't. There, there are still things we can do as individuals and as a collective. Let's not be so unrealistic. <laughs> really, here. though. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm convinced. I'm convinced that the world, in terms of, well, let's talk about the heating up. Any of all these goals of like, oh yeah, we're only going to oh, get yeah, to two like, degrees. No, yeah, yeah. No, we are way past that. There's absolutely no world in which we don't just obliterate those targets, and then lots of people uh, have yeah. to move. Yeah, but be- best case scenario still still sucks pretty bad. <laughs> but best case scenario isn't everybody's dead, right? Which you know matters. The difference matters, and it's also one of these issues which, uh, as we have seen over decades and, and centuries. The people who are in charge at the moment are just like, well, it's not really my problem because it doesn't affect me right now. So someone else can fix it when I'm dead. So Exactly. That's a lot of the, the way that it looks like. And a surprising number of them have children and grandchildren. I'm just, it shocks me. You'd think that the people who are just like, I'll get mine and then die. And then if the world burns, who cares? That they wouldn't be like passing that on to any family. But most of them are. Right, but surely a, a lot of this, as I've just shared, my own mentality of, well, I mean, we're all screwed anyway. Do you think that that's then seeping into those who actually could do something? And they're just like, well, I mean, I, I can't do anything, yeah, so yeah, yeah. may as well not try. Maybe. But like, even then, like, surely if you've got that mentality as a leader and you know that you as the leaders are doing nothing, you just... You don't have the family. Even then, you, you, you unless like maybe it's just something that, that they've all agreed in the last ten years after they all had kids. Uh, but for me, it's just it's such a weird mindset. I can I can get into the mindset of an evil person who's just like, I'll get mine. I'm away. Right. But anybody who's got like actual connections to anybody else and cares about anybody else, I can't get it. It just doesn't make well, any sense. If anything that I've learned from the opening days of this Elon Musk v Twitter pre-trial yeah. is that <laughs> yeah. rich people will literally just say and do anything to stay pals with other rich people yeah. because all of Elon's texts got shared oh, sure, yeah. with all these Silicon Valley bosses and uh, the head of Twitter and all. It's just very, it's been very entertaining, very, uh, very eye-opening. I actually haven't kept up with that, yeah. But also this, uh, as you talked about there with children, I am doing my bit for the planet by not having any. So Same, yeah. yeah. There we go. Might have a cat. yeah. Although not give birth to a cat, but just no, like, yeah. have a cat. Have a cat. Especially because like, animals, they tend to die before you. You don't tend to leave right, them right. hanging around for a half a century afterwards. Depends on the animal. Some of them live a long time, I guess. But even when uh, I was over in, in Lewis last weekend, it was, um, oh, it was yeah, good. I really enjoyed it. I completely forgot. How was it? <laughs> I saw your appearance. Yeah. They were, they were well. Okay, that's Your good. dad offered me a firm handshake oh, twice. Of course he did. He has a good handshake. Yeah, he knows how to shake a hand. And uh, also, I ran around with the hens that you have in your garden. Oh, that's fun. And fed them very mealworms, and they pecked my hand. It was it was a oh, little bit sore. Adorable, yeah. And then your mum shouted at me for being a wuss. I mean, <laughs> I, I, I I don't like feeding chickens out of the hand. They're, they're, they're 
terrible when it comes to knowing oh. how hard they need to get aim for the food. Absolutely. I mean, are they blind? Can they not see that they're not pecking the mealworms? They're just pecking my actual skin? Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't quite understand it. I, I, <laughs> a lot of times, the traits that animals have in terms of feeding, I'm like, okay, I can see that you're eating faster this way and that's good in the wild. But when it comes to things like chickens and ducks and them just missing the food most of the time, I'm like, how did you... How did you evolve this trait? You're, you're actually just eating slower and less efficiently. It surely is not a good thing for you. I don't know. But, but again, I, I can see why hens have become, not quite domesticated, but uh, farming right. animals, because they are just very silly creatures. You know, we were, we were filming a, a music video, As which you involved do. your brother and my brother capturing hens. Right, very metal. But of course, as soon as as soon as a stranger walks into their 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 pen, their area, they go and hide under a bush, and they are very good at avoiding you. But then, as soon as you bring out the mealworms, they they have no, they don't care if they've never seen you before. Up they come, and they sit there and they'll peck away, completely oblivious to what's going on around them. There's an allegory in there or something that really feels like it's a, a, a little story to to teach us all a lesson. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. We are the hens. And the Tories have a bucket of mealworms. And they want to drag you out here so they can snap your neck after you go for a peck. Absolutely. But sometimes after you've uh, removed the head, the animal lives. Yes. What was the name of that headless chicken that survived for like a year? Chicken. Do you remember it was like a thing when we grew up? There was a headless chicken? I think that was, was, I think that was actually uh, uh, manipulated, pretend. I, I can't remember. Maybe really? maybe it was an accident that that, that decapped the chicken. I do believe up, some man. of its brain still was there. The important part of the brain at the back of the head. It was like the front of the head that was missing, and the farmer was like keeping it alive by drip feeding it and stuff like that. But it actually <laughs> just sounds like torture to me. Like that's, that's horrendous. Like that's horrible. It's not. It's, it's not this cool story about how a chicken survived being headless. It's like a cool story of a farmer being pure evil to a chicken that needed to die. Okay. So this was Mike the Headless Chicken, oh, I, I, who lived from April 20th, 1945, for almost two years. Yeah. Uh, it lived for almost two years after its head had been cut off. <laughs> and they've got a picture yeah, of it. Yeah, but how much of the head? Because it's just the front. Uh, well, it, it looks like, and I'm having to read this very, very quickly, uh, so the, the axe removed the bulk of the head but missed the jugular vein. That's the important part. Leaving one ear... <laughs> And most of the brain intact. See? It's not even headless. Wow. I wouldn't describe something as headless if it's still got most of its brain intact. That's the core part of right, the okay. head, as far as I'm concerned. So the, the farmer uh, cared for the for the bird. Cared. Feeding it via an eyedropper. Say, we say cared, but profited from uh, by turning t- our animal torture into tourism money. Wow. Yeah, he, I mean, it looks like he a lot, made a lot of money. Which we still do to this day. And now he's being talked about on a podcast. How about that? Yeah, I bet he's I bet he's real happy. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. So whilst but whilst I was there, your your mum shouted, essentially, you know, don't be so silly. It's just it's just a pet. Did you say don't be? A, did you say don't be a chicken? She may well have done, but I was too focused on looking at my skin being split open by dozens of these hens going mad. Very metal. Very cool. Going yeah. ham on my mealworms. Going chicken on it. Oh, yeah. Man. Very cool. Did you get up to anything interesting other than? Uh, life, the world rotating. Nah, although I'll tell you what, I'm still doing mortgage application too. Oh and no! It turns out that it's a horrible time to be getting one of those, but still better than it will be next year. So I have to keep proceeding with it. Um, I, I, I very much am in deep resentment for my lawyer last time who dropped the ball on a very good time to be getting a mortgage. Oh, for sure. <laughs> 
So I've just been depressed for a week, if anything. Understandably, because, yeah, in the same way, if I had been even myself a bit more on the ball and done this, maybe I got my remortgaging through even a month earlier, yeah. I'd been sorted, but I am still waiting for the yep. solicitors to get back to me. And obviously the terms and the the interest rates have all, have all shifted now. It just now. keeps getting worse every day. But also, genuine question, and I'm sorry to everyone who is trained in the legal profession for uh, minimising and diminishing what you do, but f- for real, what do you do? And why do I have to pay you so much money to just not reply to my emails? Well, yeah, in, in my experience so far, they just don't do anything yep and then that's it and then they charge you hundreds but i haven't had to pay them that i didn't actually have to pay them i've just ignored them i haven't even reached out to ask what happened because they just dropped the ball (laughs) and i'm moving on Uh, but what if they come back and say hey we we need paid for this i'm gonna say hey you didn't do your job (laughs) fair enough (laughs) get out of here (laughs) yeah i've so far for my remortgaging because part of my flat is owned by the scottish government because of a uh, a, the first home fund Uh, Yeah. Basically, the solicitor said, oh, by the way, we've realized that the Scottish government own 15% off your property. Would you like to buy them out right now? Yeah. And I said, are you mad? No. (laughs) I don't have the money. (laughs) I will pay them back when I sell the place. And they said, okay, that's great. So we need a deed of postponement. That's going to cost you 330 quid. Oh, disgusting. Everything's disgusting. And again, I'm just like, Why? What what am I what am I actually paying for? For you to print out because, some paper and send it to me? Because people can make money off of us. That's the whole point. Uh, if you're not rich enough to buy things just straight up front, you are poor enough to take advantage of. And that is what the whole system is designed to do. Now, granted, that system also gives us access to things we wouldn't be able to do otherwise, like right. buying a property when we can maybe only afford rent. But still, it should be more affordable than it is that should be affordable for people to do these things on a single wage with a family of three. Right, and, and that was easy in the 1980s when your your house price was like, what, three times your salary? And that was it. You, were, you, could, you could move in because you could afford it. Whereas now, you know, it's just going up and up and up. And as much as it would be great for these interest rates and for mortgages to become more affordable, you're right, it's not going to come down anytime <laughs> soon. And that's going to make my monthly outgoings much more expensive than they were uh, even a month ago, because I'm now on my standard variable rate, as my remortgaging is still processing. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh. I mean, yeah, it's going to, I think, I think we're looking at another year or two of oh, great. sky high rates, but after that, it might collapse back down. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's horrible for a bunch of people who kind of were mortgaging at what they could afford, and now they're having to think about affording an extra half of that, sometimes double. Yep. Um, so even people who are, were solidly in the middle class up to the top 1% of earners in the UK are now struggling because they were at their limits with their daily uh, payments or their monthly payments for everything they, they own. And now the mortgage is doubled as well as everything else. So yay, Hooray. the UK is really strong. I mean, love Good it. It's, news. it's great being here. I, I'm glad to be a part of this uh, situation. It's great being alive. And don't think that renting gets you out of here because all of those rental properties that are still getting mortgaged by their owners, guess who pays for the increase in those mortgage plus the renters do? Because landlords provide nothing <laughs> of value at all. You can't be a professional landlord. Nope. There is no professional aspect to it. <laughs> yeah, that's a, as good a place as ever to start the show. Professionals. Oh yeah, let's start the show. Yeah, let's uh let's now that we've done the lighthearted intro. <laughs> Absolutely. Cease operate. 
296 in honour of her Madge. Uh, R.I.P. G.B. Nev. And this is Seesaw Parade. <laughs> Every episode for the rest of <laughs> until Charles dies is in honour of the Queen. Absolutely. You're new. She's no longer the Queen because she has died. Podcast. Thank you, James. And I am Colin. <laughs> and he is uh, James. Celebrating the death of the what? <laughs> Sorry. I'm, yeah, James. Yeah. No, I, I just. Yeah, that's that's fine. That's enough from you. Okay, let's uh, crack on with the show. You can get in touch with us if you wish to add anything to this show at Operate on Twitter or Operate at gmail.com. And as we'll get to later, if you have finished a TV show, watched a movie, gone to the theatre, even read a good book, or maybe maybe a terrible book, yeah, you can also review that. Send it to us. <laughs> Did you read an entire like online recipe and learn the entire backstory of someone's life, and then also make some nice chicken? Yeah, absolutely. Well, about it. Uh, do you know what I'll review just very briefly? Calmac, Calmac fairies. Okay. Yeah. And because they are a client of mine, they were they were great. Oh, from start to finish. Very smart. You know what? I'll review. I review Tesco deliveries because I ran out of rice, so I went on to Tesco to, to buy a new ten kilo bag of rice. Ten that's kilo, the best way to buy your rice. Wow. Yeah, and then I also made up the rest of the basket of other things I didn't necessarily need right now, but are also not a problem to buy and okay. have just in the fridge or in the cupboard. And then the delivery came, and it didn't have the rice, the only <laughs> thing I actually needed or wanted. So, so zero out of ten kilos for Tesco then. Uh, is it not a single, not a single gram of rice oh. and in fact I, I bought a big bag of pasta as well and the pasta bag came sliced open so genuinely oh disappointment tesco sort yourself out how could you get that wrong i i, I when i pressed when i pressed add rice to basket that should have been put in a in a reserved little cart for me until it was at my door could they, could they have not just send you like five 200 gram rices would that not have made more sense no substitutions available i it's i i accept substitutions all the time because they crack me up when they're bad and when they're good it's great <laughs> They didn't even substitute the rice. They were just like, no, nah, we got none of that. But, I'm like, what, what? No, no, no. There's a lot of rice in the world. You've got a lot of rice in your, in your little cupboard. Nobody needs Give that me some much. of that. <laughs> and to be fair, if they'd even given you five 200 grams, they would have needed another another tenfold of those. So they would have needed to give you 50 bags of 200 gram rice. I know, it would have been a lot of small bags. And <laughs> since the cost per, per grain goes up, the smaller the bag right. is, they would have actually been quite out of pocket. Uh, in terms of their expected profit from me as a customer. Wow. So that's why they didn't Rice do it. Because they weren't getting as much expected profit. Who'd have thought you'd be getting... Even though each grain is the same. You'd be getting taught this. And to be fair, it's an important an important adjustment to make rather than just looking at the price. How much are you paying per grain? Or in my case, as I tend to look well, exactly. at, how much am I paying per shreddy? It's the benefit of having expendable income, which I have for like another couple of months maybe, <laughs> is that you can buy in bulk. <laughs> And therefore spend less money. It's it's why poor people stay poorer than we do. It's because they can't buy in bulk. Even the simple things are unaccessible to them. Just like, I, I, you know, everything ties back to just poverty and, and Tesco making money. Sorry. Tesco making money off yes. of the poor. <laughs> that is a good statement to make. Okay, let's crack on and start with the Tories. Oh, speaking of making money off of the poor... Okay, James, let's start with yes. uh, some hilarious well. actions taken by our new okay. government, yes. which was uh, formed in the last 
uh, six weeks or so mm-hmm. after their uh, the first big announcement, the Chancellor Quasi Quarting, who on the show as we we talked about last time, had just announced the mini budget, which was going to give a mm-hmm. chunky tax cut to the richest people in this country, because of course, I mean, why not? Among many other things. Yeah. And uh, also give 1p back to uh, the, the people in England and Wales and their tax. After that, essentially tanked the markets. The pound fell to its lowest level against the dollar in 50 years. Yeah. The Bank of England had to bail out pension funds to the tune of 65 billion. Like a third of all pensions in the UK were at risk there because of the Tories. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. So sterling at one point was at $1.03. So almost equitable. Wow. Which is, um, which is insanity. Yes. But anyway, that was as a result Tory policy. of uh, what the Chancellor had announced. In particular, these cuts to the top rate of tax. And then lo and behold, after nine days yeah. of financial chaos, the government then U-turned well. on its plans to scrap the 45p rate of income tax. So, yeah, it's just uh, 10 days, in fact, Ooh, wow. after the proposals, Mr. Quarteng said they'd become a massive distraction on what was a strong package. Oh, yeah, and, really strong. Uh, <laughs> In, in response, he was asked uh, why this decision was made. He said, well, oh, we yeah. just talk to people. We listen to people. Oh, yeah. I get it. Who do they listen to? Who do they talk to? Mm. Anyway, that, that decision, of course, marks a humiliating climb down for the new prime minister. Who, who had spent the whole 10 days going about media interviews saying that they were not going to back down on anything <laughs> and that it was good policy and that they were going to show us all yes. that we would all... Eat our, eat our shoes, I guess. It, it was uh, actually, yeah, just on the Sunday, so two days before, in fact, one day before the U-turn, <laughs> the Prime Minister Liz Truss said she was committed to sticking by the policy. And in fact, wow. you even had Tory MSPs in Scotland saying, hey, Nicola Sturgeon, you need to do the same thing in Scotland. Aye, copy-pasties, come on. Mm. And then, of course, U-turn happens and they decided, well, actually, let's not give all the money back to the rich yeah. people. No, but and the mar- markets have somewhat recovered. They already. This is the, this is the problem: is that they might have undone something that would have been damaging long term. Yeah, that's great. They stopped doing harm. We've talked about how it's great when things stop being harmful, and it's worth celebrating the end of harm. However, what they also did was they blatantly sold out the country to their mates who could short the pound and make an actual ton of cash right. uh, on the crash of the pound. And then once they were planning to revert, they could tell those same mates, "Hey." reinvest and you'll make money on the upturn as well. They they, they did that, they U-turned, the pound rises again and, and the rich people who, who were getting insider advice from people uh, <laughs> made even more money again and quite a lot of it is documented and you can see and they're getting asked right. why they did these things and it's just like they, they, they're almost shameless in, in making money off of knowing that a crash is coming and then knowing that a U-turn is coming when the rest of us so, just get screwed. Here's what I would say to that. Which is, I am sure there are people who made a lot of money out of what happened to the markets. However, rather than attributing it to malice, it can be more readily attributed to incompetence. Uh, Just incompetent 
stupid people well, no. making terrible, terrible decisions. Now, of course, yeah, hold no, on, no, hold no. on. Yeah. Of course there will be people inside number 10 who are privy to these conversations who then, of course, as you've alluded to there, message friends and say, oh, by the way, this is about to happen. Maybe put your money in certain places. And then lots of people make lots of money. I'm sure that I'm convinced that happens, but I don't believe that the chancellor of this country maliciously tanked the economy and almost forced, what, British pension funds to collapse simply so their friends could make some money. I genuinely believe well, that no. decision the- was made on sheer incompetence rather than, oh, yeah, we're going to do this to help nah. only our rich friends. Because ultimately the tax cut was going to help the rich friends. That's what they were doing it for. That's what they were. They were the double dip, and they're losing out on one of the dips, right? They got the, they got the main dip. And then they miss out in the second one because they've had to U-turn. But they got a sneaky little extra dip on the way back. So they've got like one and a half dips instead of two. Uh, the most charitable take I can have is that Quarting and the rest of the people that were making these decisions, yes, they're incompetent. Yes, they're stupid. Yes, if we trust them with the economy for more than a couple more months, we are done for. Uh, which we are done for. Um, but at the very best, they are telling their friends what they're doing. Maybe not saying buy this, sell that, do this, do that, but they're they're talking to their rich buddies, they're talking to their energy buddies, and they're talking to everybody, and they're saying, "Here's what our policy is going to be. Let's celebrate this policy." And then their friends go, "Well, that policy is going to lead to a crash. I'm going to I'm going to sell or I'm going to buy accordingly." You know, so maybe they're not like scheming, but they're but they are obviously because we've got it documented publicly. Uh, telling their friends what's what's to, to, to be expected before telling the rest of us. And then when they tell the rest of us, the friends already knew, already made their moves and get rich. Okay, well, that was U-turned. And of course, some parts of this policy were still stuck to. Yes. The current one that people are, are judging is about benefits. Boris Johnson had previously committed to uh, benefits rising in line with inflation. But, Which is the only sensible thing, the minimum right, sensible thing. But Ms. Truss seems, un, well, certainly reluctant to uh, commit to the same thing. So we will see how, how that goes. But Ms. Truss gave her first major speech to the Conservative Party conference today. It was uh, very boring. I think that she is a very poor <laughs> speaker. I'm going to... Uh, she is. She's terrible. For my job, I'm actually going to analyse her speech and see just how poor she was. But she... Um, nice, yeah. She, she just has a very peculiar way of reading her lines. It's very wooden. And her hand, her use of hand, she's constantly showing how big her fish are. But it's all the time. It's not like she's varying it at all. It's just, her hands are just constantly out wide, and then sometimes they go even bigger, and then sometimes they go a bit smaller. A big fish. And then she narrows. Yes. Her, she like narrows her eyes, and she looks around the room like a hawk. Oh yeah. And it's so weird. And she also got heckled today as well, which was uh, interesting. Did you see it? I missed the heckle. I did miss the heckle. So what happened was there were two well Greenpeace protesters in the hall who turned out go there basically every year because they want to lobby politicians and be like, yo, can you please be less terrible of people? Be less evil, yeah. And nothing happens. And so this year, and I saw the interview afterwards, they said, well, we've been doing this for years. Nothing ever happens. And this year, the government have clearly just scrapped what they were talking about anyway. So we decided we had to do something different. And they stood up in the middle of the speech, unfurled a big flag. People booed them. 
someone nicked the flag and they bent down and they picked up a second flag which had the same thing on yeah. <laughs> and then they got huckled out of the arena and uh, all the, the older white men were very happy to see the young ladies chucked hey, out. Hey, there's old white women there as well. Don't don't forget the old white women and half of them are already fallen asleep. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. So so that's been the, the opening few days of this premiership. It's crazy. It's honestly crazy it because she's already at lower net popularity than Boris at his lowest point. Really? Which within oh. like the first few weeks of, of leadership is really not a good sign. There is though, uh, on the back of that, you, you are talking about these, these polls here, what sounds like a lot of Conservative MPs who privately are still very much yeah. in either Camp Boris or just not in Camp Trust. Uh, yeah, and so there are people floating Boris as the, as the next PM. <laughs> and there is that, that argument of, as some MPs have put it, she doesn't have a mandate. No, yeah. She does not have a fresh mandate. So therefore, people are suggesting, oh, maybe, maybe some Conservatives want to have this election so they can either just chuck her and start the whole thing again or see if she can actually win and get, get the, mandate, the vote yeah. she needs to run the country. Yeah, there, yeah, even some conservatives are saying that maybe it's time for an election. It's crazy. I think Nadine Doris said it, which is like... Yeah, she did. Agreeing with anything she says is is a is a huge moment Even a stop clock like, is right twice a day. Yeah, the classic. Good use of cliche there, Colin. Thanks. One in a million. <laughs> wow. Game of two halves. And the other thing to add oh here is the new Home Secretary, Suella Braverman. Now, James, you said, oh. and I was very sceptical when you said it a few weeks ago, that she was going to be okay, worse yeah. yes. than Shitty Chattel. Yes. But I take back my scepticism. claim this. Because it turns out you may actually be right. Yes. So there's two things. And I'm actually, I act, I'm going to insert the clip here of oh, her okay. saying yeah. what she said, just so everyone can hear it yeah. loud and clear. Yeah. I would love to be having a, a front page of the Telegraph yeah. with a, fly, a plane taking off to Rwanda. That's my dream. That's my dream. It's when my will obsession. that happen? So in that clip, talking about seeing a plane going to Rwanda on the front page of the Daily Telegraph, and that's her dream? Dream. What is wrong with this woman? I don't know. I honestly don't know. It's it's kind of similar <laughs> to what that? we talked about earlier. There's sometimes people do things that are just so mind-bogglingly evil that I just can't get a grip on how they chose that that was the thing they were going to do or say, even from a I'm an evil person perspective. How could you be so lowly and just so uncaring of everybody and also just an embarrassment that you think... It is a dream to have people getting shipped to Rwanda. I don't get it. You have to be inhuman and you have to think that everybody is also inhuman and then somehow think that that's even then worthy of dreaming about. Yeah, so that's absolutely uh, mind-boggling. But also she, uh, in her speech to the conference, said that she was going to change the law yeah. to stop migrants crossing the channel in small boats, which I think is probably the fourth... Home Secretary have yeah, heard say that. It's almost like they aren't actually good at doing that and that the, the solution is not that. Just an idea. <laughs> but but also it's the idea that when she's talking about these flights uh, and particularly in the the conversation she was having in this much wider discussion, the clip I played there is part of a you know half hour, hour long discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's talking largely about people who are seeking asylum, not not just people who've you yeah, know, so, gone yeah. in search for a better life. It's people who have fled yeah. their home country and have come here either because they know 
someone, a family already here, but they're looking for a safe place to go, and she's talking about, actually, no, we're just going to fire them off to Rwanda. And it's that's disgusting. It is. And we've talked about that before. Yeah. So they are, she's aiming to continue on with a disgusting inheritance of Tory policy regarding uh, asylum seekers or uh, immigrants of any kind. But she's also got a new aim of literally being allowed to do it by... get by. I, I've said Brexiting us even harder um, because this idea for the current Tory party, which they've tried again. This is just something they've tried a few times and have failed mostly in the past. They're going to try and get the UK out from under the oversight of uh, the Human Rights Council, which... You know, it's just an evil thing to aim to do. I don't think you can say, hey, I, I don't want to be over, have any oversight from the Human Rights Council and, and seem like a good person. What I thought was very interesting in her speech was uh, this these series of lines. Okay. So, the first one, it's not racist for anyone to want to control our borders. Mm. Followed up with, it is not bigoted mm? to say we have too many asylum seekers abusing the system. <laughs> and lastly, it is not xenophobic to say migration places pressure on housing. But you know what? Also, like, it's not murder to chop somebody's arms off, you know? <laughs> it's, saying something isn't the most pure evil form of itself doesn't make the thing itself good. So even if she was right, you know, and it wasn't those things to say those things, you can still be saying and doing something very wrong, just not the ultimate version of it. So it might not be racist to say that there's too many asylum seekers or whatever, but maybe you're treating people like they're not humans <laughs> anyway, you know? <laughs> One final point for me on Liz Truss before we move on. She also, in her speech today to the Conservative Party conference, talked about the anti-growth coalition. She listed off Labour and the Lib Dems oh, yeah. and the SNP yeah, yeah. and Extinction Rebellion and trade unions yes, and Remainers. Yes, because yes, they're the ones that have like shrunk the UK. Yeah, they're like, all of these people, they just, they hate growth. They don't want to see the UK grow. Yeah. And like It's almost like people who support their, their football team so fervently that they are unable to see that, you know, our team doesn't cheat. Our team always plays by the rules. Everyone's got it in for us. Yeah, it's, it's similar. With an actual fact, if you just, like, do you seriously believe that every single group and every single person that you've put under this anti-growth banner yeah, no. is so determined to see Britain fail yeah, 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 because yeah. that will, what, get them votes? That's why. It's yeah. insanity. But of course, it plays really well to her audience. Yeah, exactly. It, every, the only reason any of the rest of us exist is because we are anti-Tory. That's it. We're not actually for good things. We just don't like yeah. Tories. And that's what that's what drives us. It's embarrassing. However, I forgot to add a link. So we're not done yet, Colin. Oh, no. Because Reese Mogg, his, his goal for the next, I don't know, month of governing is to uh, remove workers' rights from small businesses. Uh, and small being places that have less or fewer than 500 employees. So basically, his uh, his method of getting the UK to to grow is to make it so that uh, employers don't have to have their workers of any rights, I guess. That's <laughs> great. really great for workers everywhere. Okay, show me one. 
yeah, let's talk about things that are maybe about other bad people yeah. instead of the bad people that are making our lives really directly Great worse. Idea. Let's go for the ones that are making it indirectly worse. Okay, let's talk about Elon Musk, shall we? There we go. Sticking with U-turns, there has been another one hey. this week. And Mr. Musk has offered to complete his proposed $44 billion <laughs> acquisition of Twitter. Yes, offered. In what's being described here as a dramatic U-turn on his decision to walk away from the deal. So lawyers for Musk confirmed in a court filing on Tuesday that the world's richest man, uh, depends on what day it is, yeah. is prepared to push ahead with the transaction on the agreed terms, yeah. which would be 54 dollars 20 cents yep. a share which by mm-hmm. the way dear listener i learned this week the 54.20 is was done because musk was trying to be funny as in 420 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. weed yeah, yeah yeah it's one of the one of the one of the reasons yeah this is that i, I could not have rolled my eyes harder when i, yeah, I he's saw an that idiot. yeah he's a complete idiot yeah, yeah. Um, so now, now hold on hold I, on I hold wanna... on hold on so this is uh, happening on Tuesday. So after months of this legal drama and yeah. uh, Musk say, I'm going to sue you because there's too many bots on your platform. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, Twitter said, all right, well, we have to see all of the uh, communications you've had. And all these texts and back and forth were, were um, unveiled to the courts and to the world. And people have been poring over that. And clearly, Musk realized, or his team advised him, you're going to lose this. Yeah. Because Twitter gave all the, the material and the evidence that they were asked to. And he's realized, right, well, either I go through this lengthy court battle and I lose and I still have to buy it, or I just save myself a lot of money, a lot of time, a lot of stress, well. and just do the thing I said to months ago, even though it's a, just a terrible, terrible idea. Well, yeah, but he, yeah, it was a terrible idea, but he was he was going to have to. Oh, for sure. Either way, he was paying all this money. So uh, th- this is this is the, this is the pushback that I have. The, the only pushback I have is that this isn't Musk offering to do anything. It's not a U-turn or anything like that. It's just a dawning realization that actually the world cannot bend to his version of reality, and he right, right. would have to do this anyway. And they're just skipping some more of the of the money. His crack team of lawyers couldn't find a way to weasel out of it because there wasn't one, as we've been saying the whole time. And now they're just going to go ahead, hopefully quietly. And, you know, I guess they're going to make some changes to, to Twitter once it's done. We'll see. I think he's got a, <laughs> this, he's trying to make it uh, look like he's, it's all part of a plan again by pretending that he's going to buy Twitter and then create the everything app or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's going to make the one and only app you ever need, I guess. Mm. So yeah, he's making Metaverse on Twitter. The one app to control them all. (laughs) So on the back of this, reading what some uh, analysts make of this, this is uh, Anat Alon Beck from the University of the Western Case Western Reserve in Ohio, who said that Musk appeared to be finally listening to his lawyers because (laughs) Musk was due to be questioned under oath by Twitter's lawyers on Thursday and Friday. And in a quote... Alan Beck said he would be a fool yeah. to not at least try to buy the company now and avoid a deposition because he has no defense on trial. Yeah, exactly. And that's that's the reality. But adding after this, it's not like this is going to be cleared up tomorrow. The parties still have to approve everything, sign and finalize the deal. Musk, of course, still also has to come up with the funds to close it. Yeah. But as you said there, James, he then went on Twitter yeah. and <laughs> span it into, well, actually, you know what? I wanted to do this, this anyway because it means along. I can create the real thing I wanted to make all this time. Sure. Oh, it's so stupid. It's, it's, it's awful. Okay. Uh, and also what happened this week in uh, Musk world. Yeah. Uh, he, he put a poll on Twitter <laughs> in an attempt to 
put forward what he thought was the solution to end the Ukraine-Russia war. <laughs> he he listed off the options, which were, for example... A four-part plan, a very brief plan. Yeah, redoing the election of the annexed regions mm. under UN supervision. Yeah, 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 because, yeah. of course, that's yeah, a totally logical thing to do. Definitely would, definitely would happen easily right now. That, that Crimea would become formally part of Russia. Oh, no, you missed the, you missed the very important part of step oh. one. Oh, that Russia, Russia would leave. <laughs> Russia mm. leaves if it's the will of the people, yeah. So, so they would hold, hold the election properly and <laughs> Russia would, would then leave. Yeah, because Russia wouldn't like do anything that, that, that wasn't no. like, the will of the people. <laughs> of course not, yeah. So the Crimea would then become formally part of Russia. Ah, uh, yeah. Water supply to Crimea would be assured mm-hmm. and that Ukraine would be neutral. Yes, because there's nothing like <laughs> forcing a country to have a stance on things. That's independence for you. Hmm. Yeah, so in U- Ukraine don't get a say in any of this. So he put this in a poll on Twitter, which is proof that, dear listener, you don't need to tweet everything you, th- every thought you have. Oh, I, I know. But that's what he decided to do, and he then did, yeah. in response, he was torn to shreds by everybody, including the Ukrainian president. Like, which one of those Zelensky. four ideas was fresh anyway? You know. Which one? Uh, well, like, it's this has been going on so long. And granted, he had to say annex instead of occupied, so that's technically new. But <laughs> none of his ideas are smart. They're they're very ground level. He and then he just had to he had to tweet them to get approval. I think he is a narcissist because I've learned a lot about what that actually is, and it is just the de- desperation to have a facade of success and all of that stuff. So, oh for sure, you only narcissists. <laughs> turn to Twitter with their bland ideas and put it up as a poll. <laughs> it's it's absolutely insane. And also seeing the, the responses to this. Yeah. Uh, this one from, from Gary Kasparov, which said, uh, this is repetition of Kremlin propaganda. It's moral idiocy. It is. It's a betrayal of Ukrainian courage and sacrifice. And it puts a few minutes of browsing Crimea on Wikipedia over the current horrific reality of Putin's war. Yeah. And that's that's it in a nutshell. It's just someone who's gone on Wikipedia and been like, you know what? I've got a great idea. Do you know what it reminded me of, James? Yeah. Do you remember the story of the Indonesian uh, football team who got stuck in the cave? Oh, yeah. And then this Elon's is... like, do, do you know what we need? We need a submarine. Yeah, we were like... A mini submarine. We were like one cup of coffee. Other drugs are available on Elon away from him calling Kasparov a pedo, for sure. <laughs> If he was, like, any more high than whatever high he was when he did this, he was calling Kasparov a pedo. And, like, he obviously didn't didn't know who Kasparov was, nope. somehow, and then didn't bother Googling the guy, somehow, uh, because he responds asking what Kasparov has done except tweet. This is somebody who's been, uh, well, as someone who's, like, actually Russian, opposed Putin for a very long time, to the point where we've seen decades now of, well, at least a decade now of uh, headlines talking about how... His life is under threat, how he's on the current hit list, how he might get assassinated. And, and Elon's talking about how maybe he was vulnerable to getting hacked. Oh, no. Yeah, okay. How What's do you compare enough? yourself? How do you do th- it's just how, It's just how do you do this? How do you do what Elon does and exist? I don't know. Like, he, he, genuinely, some part of him must be very intelligent because he's obviously done very well and he's created some things or, or rather he's nice. bought yeah, lots of things. Yeah, Martins. Right. Yeah, he's, he's, got, he's had a lot of luck, that's okay. for sure. Well, if only either of us or any of us got quite so lucky. Well, you know what? You know what? You say, we say luck, but what he's also had is a whole lot of government funding. Every single one of his successes has been bought by 
whatever country he happens to be dwelling in, which is mostly your states. Tesla is all government funding. SpaceX is all government funding. That's true. Most of the other things he's done are complete failures. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Let's talk about Russia, seeing as we're on the topic. And in the wake of Vladimir Putin's call for reservists to uh, join up at the eastern, western fronts yeah, to yeah, fight yeah. the war in Ukraine. We're getting partial mobilization ongoing. According to Reuters, almost 200,000 Russians fled wow. to neighboring countries. It's got stories here with, with lots of Russians who are only using their first names because they are so afraid of repercussions. Naturally, who yeah. drove from the likes of Moscow to Georgia onto the likes of, of Belarus to Kazakhstan. Mm-hmm. The one day, uh, or, or rather the the cost of a one-stop flight to Kazakhstan and to the likes of Georgia to Azerbaijan went through the roof after the the call-up was announced. And also what happened as well, and you may have seen this, lots of people who absolutely shouldn't have been called up anyway, for example, elderly men who perhaps were unable to walk or had heart conditions or had previously served and had long since retired, were then being forcibly like dragged to these recruitment centres, it was going horribly wrong. Mm-hmm. And then Putin had to put out uh, a speech or, or gave a speech in which he said, oh, yes, uh, the recruitment centres were to blame. They were too heavy-handed. Yes, of course they were. And we're very sorry. Yep. Anyone, mm-hmm. anyone who shouldn't have been called up can go home. So a slight U-turn rather than what it was initially, which was, hey, we need every man we which can get. Which might still happen. And there were only very, very small parameters for those who were able to stay. But obviously, James, I mean, Russia's a big country, but 200,000 people is a lot of people leaving the country. Yeah, 200,000 leaving, a lot of other people trying to injure themselves to get out of it. A lot of other people promising to just never fire a single bullet and all of that stuff. It, it's everybody who doesn't want to partake in the war, good on you. If you if, if that is fleeing or if that is trying to escape the draft in any other way, you know what? Well done. I, I'm sure none of them are listening, but... Uh, I, for one, would, would would like to think that I would not accept uh, a draft in this situation, and that I, I can strongly empathise with people who are willing to just kind of throw away their entire life to dodge it. There were just just to give you some numbers here. Germany said that they would be accepting Russians. I, I believe it's just after Finland decided to temporarily close its borders after the border guard agency in Helsinki said over forty three thousand Russians had arrived in the last week. That's an insane amount of people. Uh, 3,000 in Mongolia, 53,000 in Georgia, and over 100,000 into Kazakhstan. So that's... Yeah. That's what's what's happening in in real time with real people. Yeah, and it's running away. The, all of these things, in, uh, and including the collapse of the front in lots of areas of Ukraine where Russia are having to pull back. All these things are only going to make Putin and his and his and his team more and more desperate for successes, and and they're going to keep on going to more and more drastic measures but honestly they 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 they've they don't have the equipment for it, for these people they can they can draft all they want if they can't give them any weapons you know what are they going to do they they can't even field them all into into tents we've, got, we've seen footage of people just standing around fires where they've been sent to and all of this stuff so it's just really not looking good for anybody who is under the control of of Putin and that's no surprise it, this all sucks it, it's also, as you say, on the back of advances made by Ukrainian forces yeah. in the last taking back several cities. Yeah, and, and in the last uh, days or so, uh, Ukraine have also recaptured six uh, villages and small towns in Luhansk, which I believe was one of the regions that they had uh, this fake election. 
recently. Yeah, so some of the recently annexed lands, which we are probably going to talk about, I guess, uh, <laughs> are taken back already. Yeah, so th- this was in the wake of these uh, elections, which we talked about last time, which, of course, uh, Russia were going to do fairly and absolutely uh, yeah, by the book. Yeah. So if people decided they want to stay in, in Ukraine, they could. But uh, no, of course, they came out to say that all four of the occupied territories or the, um, yes, these Russian annexed territories yep. were now part of Russia. Yeah, so this includes Donetsk, uh, Donetsk Luhansk, Zaporizhia and Kherson Oblasts, which, uh, yeah, apparently, according to Putin, is now Russia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they all voted for it. Yeah, they voted for it. They've been accepted into into Russia. The paperwork's all been done and signed. They had a big old handshake on a stage. Um, it was awful, <laughs> and I do believe the response in general has been people saying, "Well, no, we don't recognize this. Turkey's officially not recognized it. I'm sure other countries also have. Um, it hasn't really made their claims in the land anymore." illegitimate as far as the world is concerned but as always Putin's goal isn't to convince us that the war is legit it's just to convince enough people within Russia that the war is legit to keep the war going but ultimately we don't know how how normal I use my air quotes there normal Russians feel about this war because mm. you know, so little gets out there was a, a story the New York Times did recently I would urge people to look it up in which they were able to transcribe phone calls made from within Ukraine by Russian soldiers back to their homeland. Right. And across this, the course of the article, you get a lot of uh, conflicting emotions and some soldiers repeating Kremlin propaganda line for line, but other people just saying it like it is. We thought this was training, and now we're just walking into their, this country and people are happy. What, what are we doing? Yeah. Really interesting. But again, it's just a snapshot of... You know, a few phone calls from a handful of soldiers. What do people actually think? We we don't really know uh, at this point because we're not seeing what we're seeing. Well, yeah. For example, in Iran, yeah, which we're about to get onto. It's similar though because dis- any dis- dissidents that we are seeing are getting arrested very quickly. You know, as well. So any any time we do get a chance to look at some normal people having a response that is anti-Putin, they're they're shepherded away rapidly for a 10-year sentence. Okay, well, let's talk about Iran then. This is, again, a follow-up to what we talked about last week with protesters and demonstrations uh, continuing across the country three weeks on after the death of Masa Amini, the woman who who died after police essentially battered her to death um, following, uh, failing to to wear uh, her headgear or headscarf correctly. Yes, uh, that's now then spiraled into this biggest show of opposition for years. Dozens of people have been killed, uh, but also what's been happening now is that more and more footage is emerging of different things, different protests happening. So today, for example, there's footage of school children heckling a member of the paramilitary. Uh, this Basage force who had uh, who had come to this school uh, in an attempt to uh, address them, and this footage shows teenagers waving their headscarves in the air and shouting, "Get lost!" Yeah, at this uh, particular man, and uh, it's un- unverified of whether it was filmed on this particular day. Yeah, uh, Tuesday in Shiraz, but it certainly looks like, if we consider the bigger picture of what's going on, this happened. And other footage has been uh, has been posted online. Yeah, uh, recent footage of teenage girls um, again waving hijabs in the air, chanting freedom. Older women joining in the clapping. So this is mm-hmm. continuing, 
And clearly the Iranian government's finding it difficult to, to keep tabs on or to, to perhaps I mean, stamp down on it. <laughs> this is going to be a really big situation for a long time now. It seems like the people of the country are finally done. There have been attempts to protest a lot of these rules and laws before. Uh, but even though a lot of these protests this time are being met with deadly force, like we've seen, and are being met with a lot of oppression, as we've seen, there there still is an energy and a drive to keep it going. Um, and while some of the stories are a little bit charming, like some school kids telling off a minister, you know, it's, it's also a lot of people are dying for this. Um, and the hope that we have is that all of that sacrifice won't be in vain. And there is a lot of international support. We're seeing a lot of... Uh, words being said and actions being done in other countries, even up to up into their parliaments and stuff like that. Um, but this is something I've not liked reading uh, for similar reasons as I've said before. It, it, it's, it, it makes me fear for the state of a lot of other countries who are having their rules decided by the religion of some rather than the uh, the votes of everyone. Um, so I am I am just sitting, sweating, watching the updates on on these stories and watching uh, the people fighting back against oppression. Yeah, and hopefully we see the end of a horrible regime. For for it's nice to say things like that without the U.S. being the reason the regimes are changing. You know, it's actually the people who are doing the work here, and it's actually from within rather than it being imposed by a country who wants to yeah keep yeah. their exports flowing and stuff like that. Okay, well, let's uh, move across to Europe and talk about Italy, where Ugh. Georgia Maloney claimed victory in the country's election, the first yeah. female prime minister and the leader mm-hmm. of the far right. Party Brothers of Italy. Yes. Uh, which means that it's Italy's most right wing government since World War II. Which is really uh, encouraging. In, of course, yep, yeah, very encouraging. Uh, she said in a statement she would govern for everyone, would not betray people's trust, and uh, said thank you to her country, winning uh, about 26% of the vote. Which isn't actually very much. No, but... <laughs> Which was ahead yeah. of her closest rival, who is from uh, the centre-left, Enrico Letta. Yes. So th- this, of course, has been reflected with a little bit of consternation from various countries, organisations, businesses. Yeah. Uh, but this is what's happening. We now have a far-right government in Italy. Yeah, so it's an, it is a coalition between a far-right party, another pretty far-right party, and like a centre-right party. So it's... Not looking good for the people of Italy, in my opinion. Um, oddly enough, their economic policy is expected to be less right-wing than Liz Truss, if that tells you anything about what we should be feeling in the UK. Um, but this is somebody, uh, a party and a leader who have come out to kind of admire Mussolini and <laughs> kind of like try and uh, sugarcoat fascism. Um, they've had very... In a very dog whistly language surrounding people's rights and uh, family, religion, and all those things that we see uh, reflected in other countries. So, uh, people are already anxious for like women's rights. We've seen marches uh, uh, preemptively protesting for women's rights and things like that. Um, and naturally, the the like Europe is going to be a bit concerned because this is the. Uh, now the third biggest uh, ec- economy left in the EU. And if it goes uh, in any strange direction, not going to be good. Um, but fortunately for Italy, one of the few fortunate things right now is that they are still in the EU. So there are limits to what can be done, what can be changed um, without 
you know, uh, Italy exit or whatever. So, you know, it's 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 not good, <laughs> and it's it's kind of well earned because the parties that have led up to this haven't led Italy well. The centre left and centre right parties have been letting the country down in a lot of ways and disappointing the people for generations. I think the the rise of this party from like a four percent of the vote in the last election to yeah. the majority of well not the majority the most votes in this election is unprecedented uh, but again it's uh, similar to the rest of the world there wasn't big youth turnout and all of that stuff that we're just seeing over and over well, again well, there, because nobody cares anymore wasn't big turnout full stop you know it's 63% it's way down on last time I think it's not too exceptionally low for Italy um, but it's just the usual thing where the people who are voting are the are the people who are interested in right wing politics, which just sucks. And it, we see it in so many countries that only the people who have been driven to hate others are the ones that are being driven to vote. And all the people who might be empathetic just have given up on politics. <laughs> and this is what happens. So yeah. don't let it happen anywhere else, please. <laughs> well, the, the, just a, a final thoughts for me on this is that Miss Maloney's rhetoric on the EU, which I think if, if Italy do leave the European Union, it would just be called the exit, as in like it, it, it Italy. I can see exit. that. I can see that. It might, it might, it's kind of hard to brand, but yeah, anyway, you might not get the dot com. True, but uh, yeah, her rhetoric is closest to the leader of Hungary, ah, Viktor yes. Orban. Yes, Orban, another one. Who calls himself friends with uh, various other yeah. right-wing dictators in the likes of uh, South America. Yeah. Uh, and also, the, the problem with this as well is that her closest allies, including uh, Silvio Berlusconi, Oof, yeah. former Italian premier, is that they have close ties with Russia. Yeah, so yeah, for example, yeah, exactly. Berlusconi last week claimed that Putin was pushed into invading Ukraine. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mr. Salvini, another one of Maloney's allies, has called into question Western sanctions on Moscow. Yes, so yes. There are some concerning things out of this. And even in a speech to uh, was the Spanish uh, far-right party Vox, Maloney had said yes to the natural family, no to the LGBT lobby, yeah. and other various, um, as you say, dog whistles. And that's not particularly encouraging, but clearly, in Italy, that's what they voted for. Yeah. And Which is sad. <laughs> it's, it is. It's a sad state where uh, we are seeing anger, hatred, fear, and all of those things being the only things that are driving people to vote instead of you know empathy and kindness and all of those other things. Uh, I do fear for uh, certain groups of people in Italy and the potential that they are going to see of losing their rights or losing their uh, safety in public. Similar to what we saw in the UK, when someone like Boris got elected, we saw an increase in 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 racism. We saw an increase in bigotry and all of those things. That's going to be that's going to be what happens in any country where a figurehead for for hatred of any kind is elected, and that's what's happened here. We got we have a figurehead for a lot of hatred elected. No matter how hard the media tries to yassify her, you know, great, first female prime minister, wow, well done, woman empowerment and all that. But that pales in significance to people being bad, you know, it should be easy. It should be easy. Like, wow, they're bad, but they're women. So that means it's okay. No. Okay. Last uh, story for now. And this is off the back of the Nord Stream gas leak which we, uh, I believe we talked about last week. Leak, did we? yeah. Accident. A huge, a, a perilous accident. Yeah, so these yeah. were three or four leaks found in the Nord Stream pipeline, which basically everyone said, Russia, that was you. And they were like, what? what? Nah, we, no nah, way. No, it was probably Germany or something. <laughs> it just, I think it just happened. I think all of these just happened, and they all happened to be very close oh, together. A, a big shark. It was a big shark. <laughs> anyway, 
off the back of this and all the gas that was being pumped into the ocean, the Danish Energy Agency said that these leaks, uh, which have now been stopped, Mm -hmm. which were preceded initially by multiple explosions, appeared to be the single largest discharge of methane, which is... Yep. Uh, in, in their words here, an extremely potent greenhouse gas. It dwarfs previous known leaks, said the lead researcher. Some people said that the claims that it was the biggest the biggest was a bit of an overstatement. However, other people are saying, right. ah, nah, totally we should get people into jail for doing this because it was actually deliberate and we've, and it's been a great harm to the future of the planet. Okay. And that is significant. So, so just on the back of you that, know. the Danish government estimated half a million metric tons of methane wow. leaked from the pipelines, which is five times is larger than the largest leak up until that point, uh, estimating that this could be up to you know several billion gallons of gasoline or, or an equivalent. And this Crazy. obviously is, is is pretty horrendous in terms of the impact on the planet. Yeah, so a lot of people, when they hear about Nord Stream getting a bit destroyed, it's like, well, how dare they destroy some infrastructure that was terrible? Definitely just sharks and, and I guess, crabs that did this. <laughs> uh, but no, those sharks and crabs that did this have done legitimately great harm to our environment, as well as just, like, deleting a little bit of infrastructure and maybe making it irreparable and not going to work forever. Uh is really bad <laughs> and it's just another thing that's happened in recent times it is just it's bad and then you read a bit more and it's like oh it's even worse than yeah. it kind of appeared great do you think at some point and gen- again genuine question i know that as as humans we do have a a penchant for negativity we love bad <laughs> stories but i don't remember anything good right happening recently you know, when, when has been a, a like a good story, something that has made our lives better well, or cheaper? Well, it depends. It depends, like on what scale, right? There's always those little stories that kind of are counter to the to the flow of the of the general trend of the world, which right now is generally trending bad. There are countries who are like good leaders, but they don't get so much praise. There right, are, right. Uh, advances in human rights in some countries, where others are seeing uh, declines in in, in, the, in human rights. But I think. In this instance, I would say that the big evidence that we can actually band together and succeed is the fact that we kind of are repairing the ozone layer. When I was a younger person, I remember a lot of fear and a lot of headlines about how the ozone layer was disappearing or we were all going to get sunburned by leaving our, the, the, the houses and stuff like that. And it was everything was going to be real bad because the ozone layer is dead. We don't hear that anymore because that thing's repairing. Granted, the things that were breaking it were less fundamental to the ongoing... Uh, industry of the world but you know we can actually have successes all right james have you watched anything i have finished i've completed nothing significant uh however i did re-watch million dollar baby okay clint Clint eastwood boxing director actor uh Oh wait, I remember who the who the who the lead is. Hillary I was gonna say Duff. No. No, Hillary Swank. Hillary Swank. She's great. Oh, she is great. The film's actually it's really it's a really well done film. I think it has a little bit of a problem regarding like quality of life of people who are disabled. I think it does touch on a little bit of a, a grim response to people who lose their abilities and how they should respond. But you know, aside from that, one little negative thing, it's a very well done film. I can see why it's so well loved. I've watched it a couple of times now, I liked it every time. It is horribly depressing. It was perfect for me. I was already struggling with the weight of the world and the weight of like how bad my finances are gonna be for the next year. The the, the perfect cherry for me was watching a film that is just so depressing it was really it was great that's, that's good to know I, I would like to know uh, as well if you are keeping up with 
a House of the Dragon. This hot D, hot D, Game I of Thrones. Watch me some hot D every spin-off. week. Yes. What do you make of it so far? I don't want to get a full review. Just give me give me your thoughts. Okay. Uh, overall, I like the show a lot. I do think it suffers a little bit from the compression of the timeline for sure, and how the the fact that the fact that they can't make actors age equally. <laughs> Uh, but that's about that's about the biggest thing. There's the most of it is just pretty well done TV. Yeah, that's fair. Okay, I, I would say it took me a little while to warm up to it, but I thought some of the writing, and I, I emphasize some of the writing in the most recent episode was excellent. Yes, but then just cramming in you know major events into the last ninety seconds of the episode, less fond of that. Yeah, however, but hey-ho. the one thing to keep in mind if you aren't aware of the general story is that this is still the prologue. What? Yeah. Okay, wait, hold, so hold the, on. The prologue. Mm-hmm. We're seven episodes in. Yes. Exactly. So it's a very weird. <laughs> it's a very weird oh. TV show, and this is this is thanks to George R. R. Martin who insisted that this oh, stuff gosh. was on the screen because it was important to build up the motivations of all these characters okay. for the inevitable actual story. Wow. So all these things, every episode that does something different, jumps forward in time, new characters, character motivations, building up character. All of those things are just to set up the actual show. And I think the fact that they're making the prologue this good is a good sign. Because interesting taking on that timeline skip, how fast they're having to run through in like almost a half of a lifetime for some of these characters, uh, it is really well handled. I wouldn't have thought they could do it. And I didn't think they could do it. You know, watching all the trailers, it didn't look like they were doing it, but I'm convinced. Okay, well, yeah, uh, that's fair enough. And particularly if it's a prologue, that's changed my entire perspective because I was thinking, how on earth are they going to resolve all of these storylines in the next three episodes? No, no. Oh, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're just, they're, they're gonna introduce the actual storyline. Oh man, <laughs> do you know what that's like? I compare it to Seesaw Parade's first hundred episodes. That was the prologue. Yeah, similar, except we were trash, and this is <laughs> to season one. Oh gosh, yeah, I did. Uh, I did that talk to Fourth Valley College last week, which was really fun. Oh, yeah. Nice to do that in person again, and we we played your voice a couple of times. Okay. Uh, throughout okay. the show, which was good. Uh, throughout the show, throughout the talk, wow. which was good. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Elspeth, who was who's the lecturer who runs that course, was uh, I alluded to the fact that it's okay to delete. Yeah. old episodes, but just make sure you've got copies of them yourself, make them private. And uh, I think Elspeth said, ha I listened to all of them first before you pr- pr- before you privatise them. <laughs> That's a bad idea. So I can only apologise to those of you who did go back to the very start. Once again. We were yeah. trash. The show isn't, though. Anyway, talking of trash... You can't. The next two things are pretty I good. I can't really segue <laughs> from trash to The Last of Us, but no, I can't. I can't. So... This is the first trailer for The Last of Us, which is yes. a TV adaptation of the highly rated, acclaimed yes. game, Same name. The Last yes. of Us, which if you cast your mind back about a year, dear listener, I reviewed because it took me about a year to finish it. Yes. Here's a clip. This is your chance. Oh, shot. We keep her alive. And you said everything right. Save who you can save. So, James, we talked about this news when it broke. Uh-huh. Because Pedro Pascal, our fave, Good Pedro there, yeah. is yeah. playing the lead role Indeed. in this show. What do you make of the trailer or the teaser? Uh, well, yeah, for a teaser, it, it just 
it, it, to- it told me that we're remaking the game in a TV format, and it kind of just looked like the game in a TV format, which when the game was just kind of like a TV show, but a game, but a really good one, I'm, I'm all for it. I, 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 I doubt they're doing anything that is going to make somebody who's played the games or seen the games and stuff like that have a brand new experience. Okay. Uh, but if they make the game well with good acting in live, in, in live action and with really good effects, like it looks like they've got... Uh, yeah, it should be great because it is the game is just a really good TV show. Yeah, that's 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 true. I I reckon what they'll do though as well is they will do the first the plot of the first game mm. throughout the entire season. And my question is then, well, do you do the second season or do you just continue to write new stuff? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure there will be some differences to the game. And I agree, having played the game, it's essentially a TV show with the cutscenes make. The show, yeah, and you sit there and you watch it you, you, because you want to see how it unfolds. There is challenge to get to each cutscene, but that's the important part, <laughs> right? Ex- essentially, you're just like doing a challenge so you can watch the next bit of the show. Yeah, yeah. And in yeah. w- seeing this trailer, or this teaser, it basically recreated scenes I've already seen. Yeah, except on on the PlayStation Four. So from that regard really interesting and interested to see how it plays yeah. but as you say the game is so good that you expect that this will be if it's essentially replicating yeah, it exactly just as good if not better it looks like it's respecting the material well and the cast is very good so uh, oh for sure and and it's an hbo show and we've talked about how they just do a lot with the money they get so it looks like they're going to get it right and i hope they do because i'd love i would love i, I very rarely really enjoy horror oh yeah uh, and this kind of leans into horror a wee bit but this is the kind that i enjoy so i hope it's real good okay and another trailer before we wrap up it's the first full trailer for the Black Panther sequel, which is out in yes. just over a month, which is yes. mad. I didn't realize it was coming up so fast. It's called Wakanda Forever. No, this phase is just all the time. Here is a clip. His people did not call him General or King. They called him Kukul Khan, the Feather Serpent God. Killing him will risk eternal war. Right, so my take on this, first of all, is it basically just filled in some of the gaps for me Mm -hmm. after seeing the teaser. Because the teaser, I had a rough idea where they were going this time. Okay, I have a much clearer idea. And in terms of our trailer test... Did it show too much of the plot? Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen the film. Basically told me the whole thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a big fan of that. Yes. So that besides, I feel like they have made it very clear to the audience there's going to be the big kind of mourning of uh, Chadwick Boseman, of course, in this film, as as they ought to. But then there's the final shot, which shows that Black Panther is now being, uh, is now either, I presume, the Queen... Or the Chadwick Boseman's in-movie sister, who whose name yeah, is Shuri. completely Shuri. That's it. Thank you. It's Harry. And of course, I'm sure that will that will make lots of uh, people on social media very mad. Well, okay, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you know what? If it's Shuri, I, I will be mad because the actor is 
quite legitimately like an anti-vaxxer or something. <laughs> like they've got a, she's, she's had a lot of bad takes over the last couple lots of years. And lots of bad takes. Uh, so it does not deserve a, a big role right now. And this would be a big step up for them. So I, I, I think it would be a, a bad move. And I think it's been done. And I don't think I agree with it. However, these, this film, one of the reasons they've spoiled the whole story is because that doesn't matter. Uh, this the 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 Black Panther film is just a it's a cultural experience uh, for a lot of the people that are going to buy the tickets. Uh, so as long as the story oh, sure. is, is adequate, they will be very well received, and it will be, I think, very well received. It looked uh, a little bit uh, improved in terms of visuals so far, but it's a trailer. They maybe just used the best visuals. But yeah, the story looks like it's just another Marvel thing. Yeah. Of like, hey, wow, we found a new bad guy to be the bad guy for this film. I wonder if it's going to resolve <laughs> by the end of the film. Oh yeah, it, it is. It, do- it does. Wow. Spoiler. <laughs> Maybe they okay. won't. Maybe they won't resolve bad guy instead of, and it, and it will have, have a different ending from the standard Marvel fare. But I very much expect it will just be a one film plot resolution. We're done, Marvel. Yeah, it, it's very difficult to get the genie back in the bottle after it's been uncorked, and that's certainly what happened the first time round. Black Panther, of course, grossing something like two billion dollars at the box office, yeah, and reaching audiences who had yet to see themselves reflected at anything that Hollywood ever did. Exactly, and that matters. It, I, absolutely, I, I completely agree. And and so there will be a similar reaction, I'm sure, to this one, perhaps even bigger, <laughs> because of what happened to the lead character, with yeah. Chadwick, uh, Chadwick Boseman dying. People will be emotional, yeah. Last year. Yeah. So, so there is a part of that which I'm sure they will have paid homage and done, and done that character justice, yeah. whilst, as you say... Just giving us what we've seen from Marvel for the last couple of years, which is very average, mediocre filmmaking. Which is fine. It's fine. An average film that does a a, a decent amount of work in terms of representing people and making them feel like a visible part of the world as far as the media goes. And then also upsetting some fragile right-wingers. That's worth it. An average film that does both of those things. I'm all for it. Okay, one final story. And this is one I never thought I would see. And it's the news that the film Rust is going to continue. Now, this was the movie where Alec Baldwin accidentally, in fact, I need to be careful with the wording here, uh, the cinematographer Helena Hutchins was killed on set when Alec Baldwin, a a gun that Alec Baldwin was holding, went off and she was shot and died. Now, what's happened in the last few hours is that Alec Baldwin has reached a settlement with her family after her death on set Yeah, when a prop gun was fired. Yeah. And the filming is now going to continue in the new year. Mm-hmm. And her widower, Matthew, is now going to be the movie's executive producer. Yeah. And this is the line. All parties believe Miss Hutchins' death was an accident, yes. said her husband. Yeah. Uh, a, a lawsuit which was filed against Mr. Baldwin, producers and others had alleged violations of industry standards. Now, I believe then that this settlement means that that's now ended. Yeah, basically. So we don't know... Right, so the settlement's not... ...what the result would have been. They've come to a conclusion Right, that... and the settlement has not been disclosed either. Yeah. But it means that, yeah, the film is now going to resume uh, with all the original principal players involved... And the, the husband, Matthew, then has said, I have no interest in, in engaging in recriminations or attribution of blame. All of us believe her death was a terrible accident. Yeah. So this is, I find this really interesting because clearly they put out, it is, yeah. a, a, they must have put a lot of finance and work and they've obviously been filming for a long time. But to actually then pick it up 
after the cinematographer's death is really surprising to me. I thought they, this would have been uh, forgotten and canned and left in the past. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I would have thought so too. It, it's shocking to me that the film is being made. It's shocking to me that everybody's returning to it. And all of these things are a big surprise. But at the same time, if her direct family and the people who are the ones grieving are, the, are saying, we're going ahead with this, we are involved with this, and it's going to pay tribute to her, then power to them all like that's that's the insane thing to me but that doesn't mean that doesn't make complete logical sense to them and uh, they're missing they've got the pieces of the puzzle that that we are missing because they know how they know all the discovery that went into the case or whatever they found out about the during uh the build-up to what would have been a court case and they know the settlement, which we don't know. They know all the agreements that were made, all the conversations that were had. And all of that must have stacked up to mean that these people can work together on something yeah. that, in my opinion, I don't see how it couldn't be traumatic to work on. And it probably will be traumatic to work oh, on. Oh, I'm sure. And they're, they've deemed it worth that trauma. So it's just a big wow. I don't know. I don't know. And to be clear, there is a criminal investigation still going. Yeah. So this is in New Mexico and the office for the uh, district attorney who said that this settlement uh, doesn't change anything. Yeah. And basically this investigation, which has been going on for almost a year now, because, um, yeah, it's almost a year since uh, she died, it's still going. Yeah. And so whilst this is settled, the settlement has been private. Of course, any criminal charges are still potentially, in the offing. Yeah, if there was negligence of a criminal nature or anything that happened that that, would have, that broke any laws, that's that doesn't go away just because the, the civil case has settled, yeah. Okay, well, on that note, James, anything else to add? I think we've we've really covered a lot of ground in this episode. Yeah. Lots of it. Very very sad and very depressing. Uh, yeah, I, I, we need to find more good stories. We really do. We do. Because <laughs> it, it, it's got to the point... Oh, wait, no, the Queen's dead. Okay. <laughs> Oh man! So I'm still at the stage of not being able to confidently assuage who yeah. is pro queen and who is okay with me essentially slating the monarchy. Oh, you see, yeah. I've learned this. Oh dear. Recently, I, I made like a comment which I thought was going to be met with, "Oh, of course, okay. oh, absolutely." Yeah. You know, this idea that um, oh, the queen was trapped; she couldn't have changed anything. Oh, yeah. And me be like, are, "Are you mad? No, of course she could. She could She's the queen. Could have changed things, yeah." Look, if if Prince Harry can decide he doesn't want to be a prince anymore, yeah. and they're like, "All right, okay, fine." All right, bye, Harry. The queen can decide to not be a queen. In fact, did you see last week the Danish queen, who's in her eighties, uh, took the titles off four of her grandkids? Wow, I did not see that. It was uh, so. It wasn't the son in line for the throne. It was the other son. Okay. And their kids. She didn't... I don't think she told them or don't think she gave them any warning. <laughs> wow. But the, she took all the prince and princess titles off them and now they're just like... People. Their excellencies. Just people. They've <laughs> just been totally downgraded. And they said uh, in a statement, the, the, the boy's dad, I think the youngest one is 13, who was a prince and now obviously isn't. Yeah. In the statement, it was like, my son is being teased mercil- mercilessly in school. Oh, no. Because he's, <laughs> he's no longer a prince. Oh, the plight of the former prince. <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, scripts are probably being written already. Ah, uh, yeah. About that particular one. But then, of course, she, uh, the queen came out and was like, oh, I'm, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to offend anybody. Sure. But... <laughs> How do you, you know, do that without offending somebody? Shrug, shrug, shrug shoulders. These these things happen. Oh no, I'm not a royal. I don't want to be a royal. Anyway, I, I'm not making anti anti queen jokes because I hate the queen so much. I just think it's funny for now, and eventually, 
I'll bore of the joke. I'm sure all of you are tired of the joke already. I am. I've got another like week or two at most, <laughs> okay, I think. Right. Well, we'll see. If the listenership has tailed off, then we'll know. By that time, Charles will be dead. Indeed. Well, he was in Dunfermline <laughs> this week, saying it was a city now. <laughs> Dunfermline's a city. Yeah, it doesn't... <laughs> Absolutely isn't, but that's okay. <laughs> it is. We got we got what, eight cities now in Scotland. Eight. Is it eight? Is it... Yeah, it's eight. Yeah, Dunfermline. Well done. A legitimate city. <laughs> But it's one of those ones that they've just done it because it's, you know, it's like the, it's like the participation medal. That I used to get in sports days. Yeah, I get you. Right. That the kids who perhaps are less athletically gifted get because the really fast ones have won. And, you know, I'm saying this to myself more than anyone. out the back, didn't even hear the whistle. Right. right. But you finished the race. Distracted chatting. You still <laughs> lost. But then someone says, oh, well done. Here's Not a medal done. for you. Do you know what? It's even worse than that. It's the end of sports day and you come home and your younger brother has won all the races. You didn't win any. Oh. And your mom's like, all right, we have to take a picture to commemorate this sports day. Hey, Chris, give Colin some of your stickers. Oh, no. And then in the family picture, it's like, oh, yay, Colin got a th- Third. Several people won. <laughs> Chris got five firsts. Oh, dear. But Colin got a third. How about that? Well, you know oh, what? Man. Speaking of cities, because I'm not going to make fun of you there because that's a painful memory. <laughs> wow. I'm either Glasgow or Liverpool is going to be the next Eurovision hosts. Hey. Yeah. That's good news. <laughs> well, Glasgow, having chatted to the people who are behind that bid, because we've worked with them and are still working with them on oh, said have. bid. Well done. Uh, yeah. They were very confident they were going to get in top two. Ooh. And of course... They did. Of course they feel confident they're going to win. We'll see. That'll be fun, though. We'll see if that confidence is as accurate. And you know what else? I responded to the survey about the changes that they want to make to the motorway between St. George's Cross and somewhere wow. else. Yay! What did they say? You're going to knock it down? Well, I didn't... I did, I, well, they were wanting to cap it. They were wanting to put a garden above the motorway. You haven't heard a about garden? this? Glasgow's got some bids. Yeah. Why? Like, yeah, a nice little like, public area. Because it's better than an open motorway. <laughs> Motorways are disgusting. Right. We've got one running right through the middle of the city. That is very true. Okay, yes. Because some people decided that motorways were so important they'd have knocked down some buildings a long time ago. They didn't even finish the motorway. That's very true. Come on. Okay, you know what? Put a garden on it. I take back my horror. A garden. Great idea. You know what would fix London's traffic problem? Public transport. And a less dependence on no, cars. Public transport. And also capping the motorways with gardens. No, but public transport would help Glasgow too. I mean, if 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 the public transport in Glasgow was like what it is in London, I know exactly. I'd never need a car ever. It would be great. Imagine if we were less uh. dependent on cars. If we didn't have this fake idea that was put into our brains by car manufacturers that a car is necessary for the individual to experience well, freedom, which they're still saying to this day. It's but it's not that. It's the fact that I can't get to work. In a good amount of time, yeah, unless I have a car. Because the car manufacturers convinced everybody that cars are so important, the city stopped investing in public transport, right? It all comes back <laughs> down to evil capitalism, changing our minds about <laughs> things and lying to us about what's important so that we get worse stuff in general. Right. But also, as I say, if Glasgow had public transport like London... I would It'd be great. I would sell the car tomorrow. Imagine if the buses and the subways and the trains all were on one ticketing system. You uh, could just walk in and dream. walk out and tap. It would be wonderful. Right. Okay. Well, on that note, soon TM. It's time to end. What has been a, a very melancholic episode of Cease <laughs> Operate. <laughs> James, thank you for your time. Thank you for your input. Much appreciated. If you, dear listener, want to get in touch, please do. Ceaseoperate at gmail.com. Ceaseoperate on Twitter or just message either of us directly and we will yeah. say what you said to us 
and the other was people will react. Terrible. If it, it, we get a lot of messages that we couldn't have read in air, a lot of that yeah. is very true. Lots of yeah, abuse. It's horrible. Okay, James. Bye. Bye. We actually don't. That was none of you are horrible to us. Thanks for that. Yet. <laughs> <laughs>